0: So it was fun uh, this morning. I'm sitting outside, uh, which I love to do early in the morning. Love having my time with Jesus when the sun's rising. Of course, it was already rising, risen because it's summer. But it was 6 a.m. in the morning, and I get a call from my college aged daughter at 6 a.m. That's because it was two in the afternoon in Eswatini, where she is. <laughs> and I, I tell you, man, nothing like hearing from my daughter after we send her off to be on the other side of the world. And anybody who's sent your kids away and seen that happen makes you a little anxious. But actually I'm way more anxious, not when she's in Eswatini, but when she's in Fort Collins, Colorado. (laughs) Because when she lets us know what she's doing there, almost all of her pictures are her hanging off some rock, like 40 feet, 50 feet in the air. My daughter, the adventurer, the outdoor girl, loves to rock climb. I literally look at her pictures And it freaks me out. I can feel the physical fear inside of me just looking at her pictures. That has just never been my game. I've never, my my poor wife, I always, when we met, I called myself the dream killer (laughs) because because Susie was a rock climber and she had these grandiose, romantic, she says, climbing is so romantic and I'll be on the rock with my husband. I can't go three rungs on a ladder, okay? So, (laughs) And I remember uh, one time my dad actually was a a teacher in high school and a coach. And so during the summer uh, to make income, he would paint houses. And so we would literally go out and just paint houses all all, all summer long. Well, one year our church actually hired us and we actually had to paint the, it was a brick church, but we had to do all the trim on the church. And it's it's a pretty decent sized building, two story high, roof pretty pitched at at a decent angle. And I'll never forget, I I, I was trying to be super brave and I went up the ladder and I got onto the roof and I literally, I would just lay on the roof like this. And then I'd paint the edge like that. And I just, I mean, I did everything I could, but then I had to come down. You guys know how hard it is to come down? Like going up's one thing, coming down. And I I literally, I got to the edge and I got to where the ladder was and I could not do it. There was no way. Now, my older brother was there and I was just thinking, you know how brothers can be, right? He had every opportunity to just leave me there (laughs) or to make fun of me or, or do whatever brothers normally do. But my brother instead came up, climbed up the ladder for me and he literally had to take his hand, put him on my feet and put them on the run for me. Because, Ron, are you laughing at me? (laughs) I, I, I could not move. And so I needed Mark to go up and literally help me put my feet on that ladder to get me down. I needed him. It's kind of where we're going today, okay? Now, there are some real needs. Well, that was a real need for me, personally. But we all have... Real needs. There are physical needs. There are health issues. There are handicaps. There are tough things that we go through with our bodies. We have financial needs that can be incredibly stressful, needs for employment. Um, Then you just, you can just go through Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? You, you, You literally have need for safety to feel safe, not just physically, physically, yes, but man a safe place emotionally (laughs) where you can be who you are and you know you're gonna be protected. We have emotional needs. Every single human being needs to know that they're valued. They need to know that they're loved. They need to have connection. Um, We have emotional needs when we lose stuff. When times are hard, we need to grieve and we need people to come alongside us and comfort us when we're going through those things. Breakthroughs from addictive behaviors? Well, this series that we're doing is called I Gotta Get You Into My Life. And we're taking a look at what eternal life is. And eternal life, Jesus said, is when you know me. (laughs) It's when you actually know me. Not head knowledge about Jesus, that doesn't save anybody. It's intimate knowing. It's a relationship with him. And so that's why the scriptures tell us that when you actually begin a relationship with God through Christ, it says he is in you. He is in you, he's in your life. But then the other half of the time, it says you're in Christ, you're in him and you're in his life. So what we're doing through the series is we're looking at different aspects of the human life. So we looked at our love, or, or no, we didn't, sorry about that. We actually looked at Jesus' love, Bryson taught us that we gotta, if we're gonna get into Christ and experience him at a deep level, then we gotta get into his love, which is so different than human love. And then I talked about how we got to get Christ into our identity. We we need to let him tell us who we are instead of the world or who we think or somebody else. And so tonight, what we're looking at is how we need to get in to Jesus' life. So let me show you some examples of his life. Right off the bat, Mark chapter one, first chapter of Mark, he's he's out and a man with leprosy runs to Jesus, falls on his knees and begs him, to heal him. Now that's a guy who has need. If you don't know that culture, if you had leprosy, yes, you had a physical condition where you needed healing and you needed compassion, but you were completely isolated from the rest of the community. You were rejected totally. You were not valued. He had a great need. And the scriptures say that Jesus was moved with compassion and he healed him. There's, other, there's other, a lot of other stories of his healings Right off the bat too, it says that when Jesus came across a crowd, he was moved with compassion on the crowds and he healed their sick. The other story with a crowd, he feeds 4,000 men, it says, but here's what we know. There were also women and children there, right? So now you're talking, let's throw a woman for every man. There's 8,000. Now you throw kids in. We're talking like 12, 15,000 people out in the middle of nowhere and they didn't have food trucks, so what are you going to do, right? But literally, Jesus says this amazing thing. He says to his disciples, "I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days, and they have nothing to eat." So now he's actually moved with compassion, not just for illness and sickness, but for their need physically. There. So then Jesus is telling people, they say, "Well, you know, love everybody." Jesus said, "Love your neighbor, right? That's you got to love your neighbor." And some guy says, "Well, who's my neighbor?" And so Jesus tells us an amazing story that we call the Good Samaritan, right? So a man is walking down the road to Jericho, gets beat up, he's robbed, he's thrown in the ditch to die, and he's left there. And the religious people who, who, who'd that be? Us. What happens to when the religious people walk by? They're too busy, they've got things that are going on, and they completely walk by the man. But the Samaritan who would never talk to a Jew. And Jesus, as he's telling the story says, and he felt compassion. And he was the one who took the guy, took care of his wounds, gave him the finances he needed and gave him a safe place to be protected, okay? And then in one last place, when Jesus saw the crowds, he was looking over the people and he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, harassed, and helpless. And man, there are a lot of people in our world today who feel harassed, who feel bullied, who feel like they don't belong. And Jesus has compassion. Here's the Jesus that we follow, you guys. He sees lives that are not free, they're not flourishing, and they're not full. They're lacking what they were created for. And when Jesus sees that, he moves. So what we're going to look at tonight is if we're going to know eternal life, if we're going to know Christ and we're actually going to experience the full life he has for us, then we have to get into his compassion. We got to get it into his compassion. The definition for compassion—it's it's many times linked with mercy. Sometimes the word will be—you'll see this later. Sometimes it's translated to English mercy or compassion. But if you look at what the word actually means, it's to be moved in one's bowels. Interesting. Thinking a little emodium here for today. But it's not the bowels. It meant the inmost being, the deep. You are moved in the inner part, the seat where your emotions are and where you're moved to act. So you're torn at the heart, at the sight of another suffering. That's what compassion is. You're actually deeply moved here when you see somebody who has a need and you moved to do something about it. All right, you guys, and this is Jesus. It's pretty awesome, that when Jesus decided to reveal who he was, if anybody watched The Chosen, this was a fantastic scene. But basically he is teaching in the synagogues. They go up, they give him the scroll and he opens up this Old Testament scroll of Isaiah chapter 61. And after he reads, I'll read it here in a second. And after he reads it, he says, this is now fulfilled in your presence. This is me. I am the Messiah, okay? So When Jesus wanted to reveal who he is to the world, he chose this passage. I'm actually going to read it from Isaiah 61. Here's what it says The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. This is who Jesus is. And when he revealed himself, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. For who? The poor, the brokenhearted, captives, prisoners, those who mourn and grieve and those who are in despair. Now, what's cool about this is Jesus is this way because, as Hebrews tells us, he is the image of the invisible God. He is the image of the invisible God. So when Jesus showed compassion and moved for people who had great needs, what he showed us was this is God. This is how God feels. Isn't that great news? I'm telling you, for you today, if you walked in here today and you have a legitimate deep need part of what Jesus wants you to know today is I am compassionate all through the Old Testament. The Lord is gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, right? So Jesus says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. What's that look like? Psalm 146, verse six says this, God is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, He remains faithful forever. So here's this grand God. (laughs) I was just talking to uh, to someone earlier today. Again, just about the fascinating, just majesty of God. When people look, even people who don't believe in God, but they look at the galaxies and they look at the stars, astrophysicists are blown away by the majesty of what is designed, they would say. That God, look what he does. He upholds the cause of the oppressed. He gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. And by the way, If you read the Old Testament at all, you will see those three, the foreigner, the alien, the widow, and the fatherless, the orphan. Those three over and over and over and over and over again. God says, that's who I care for. And that's who I love because they have need and I'm compassionate. So here's what's cool. Who wants a full life? Anybody want a full life? You know, of course, we all want a full life. Who wants to be completely free? Like to have have your spirit be completely free? This is you guys. Who wants God's blessing and a sense of His presence? That's why you're here. That's why Jesus said, "I came so you could have this type of life." It is for freedom that He set us free. He wants you to be free. It is I came so that you would have life and life to the full. He wants our joy to be complete. And so, here's what's interesting. Who wants God's presence? If you go to the Old Testament, the Israelites did too. They did. They were God's chosen people. And so they wanted to have God's presence. So you know what they did? They would go to the temple. They'd go to church. Just like you guys are going to church tonight. They'd go to the temple. Now, back then there were sacrifices that were made in the evening and in the in the, in the the morning and in the evening and all through the day to cover sins. They'd do worship and they'd do all of these religious rituals. And then... I just want to, they're doing this in an Isaiah chapter 58. God says to his people who are really religious, he said, for day after day, they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions. They seem eager for God to come near to them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? See, they're doing the right religious things that God actually said they should do. <laughs> they needed to fast. They needed to go to, to the temple. They needed to do, God set these things up. Now, what is fasting, by the way? You know, I'm not, not, not to get into like, to the whole thing. I would just define it like this. Fasting is when you deny yourself For more of God. You're denying yourself for more of God. And they're saying, hey, didn't we fast? Didn't we not eat? Come on, God, bring it. And here's God's answer. Look at this Isaiah 58. Is not this the kind of fasting that I have chosen? To loose, so the denial of self, is this this not the type of. When I read this and you hear fasting, think God saying, is not this the denial of yourself for more of me that I'm asking? That he's chosen. To loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter. When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. He goes, that's the fast I've chosen. That's the denial of yourself for more of me that I've chosen. And then look what he says, you guys, in verse eight. Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. See, You know, I've been saying this a lot lately, but it's because it's really true. Jesus never died just so we would attend church for an hour. That is not what he died for. And you can go all the way back to the Old Testament and God back then with his people was going, you guys, I didn't rescue you from Egypt. I didn't make you my chosen people and take you through the Red Sea and bring you into the promised land so that you could live for yourself. That's not what this is about. I want to fill you with my spirit. And when the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on us, he goes, then you will experience me. So we're all here. We all want full life. We all want freedom. We all want God's blessing. We all want his presence. And what he said here is, if you do this, if you, Jesus was saying, we're gonna see he says the same thing. If you're in me, then this is what I'm like. So if you want to know me and if you want to experience me, if you want fullness of life, if you want your healing, your, my presence and my blessing, then this is how you should do it. Then join me in my compassion. Join me in my compassion. And then other people's blessing. See, every, every time we give this message, we were talking about this. When you do, when you let Jesus into every part of your life and when you get into his life, three things happen. Your life does become full and free. Everybody around you gets blessed. Think people would get blessed if we were compassionate? Duh. And the third thing is God gets glorified. See, people got to see the living God, the maker of the heavens and the earth through Jesus because he was compassionate. And that's what we can do too, all right? So this is eternal life, by the way. Not just here, it's it's your eternal life here, but it's the life that goes into forever. Matthew chapter 25, Jesus said, when the son of man comes in his glory and all of his angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate the people one from another as shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and he'll put the goats on the left. And then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father. Okay. Anybody want to be blessed by God? (laughs) Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Why? Because when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. By the way, can I just say real quick on the meet and greet that that's what we call it when you greet everyone. It's so funny to be because I know half of you like hate that. I hear it all the time. Like, oh my God, we got to do this. Why do we do this? Because if a visitor, a stranger comes, what does the spirit of God do? You welcomed me. That's why we do this. And so we can love on each other because it's good to see each other. But he keeps going. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And every, all these sheep on the right, they're going, Jesus, when? When? When did I feed you? When did I visit you? When, when did I welcome you? What's it? Well, you guys know his answer, right? You hear this? When you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. And then over on the other side are the goats. He goes, I was hungry. You gave me nothing to eat. I was a visitor. You didn't welcome me. I was sick. You didn't care about me. I was hungry and you didn't feed me. Whoa, what? Jesus, when? When, when you didn't do it to the least of these, you did not do it to me. You guys, this is, does this sound a little serious? Because It is. This is the kingdom of God, right? The the kingdom prepared for us is here now in Christ. Christ has brought heaven to earth. That's why he says, pray that his kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, his kingdom is, he is moved towards anyone who he sees in need. And by the way, you know, Mariah just promoted our, our food pantry. Like the food pantry is right here. You're hungry, and you fed me. And I, I know some people go, well, it's just a food pantry. But then I'm just telling you, then you haven't been there. Because we pray with these people, and we walk with them. And I'm telling you, every Saturday, people are deeply appreciative, because their lives are hard. And every time it's so fun now, because now they walk out here and we, we actually put the food, when it's cold, we just, they line up in the cars and we put it in their trunks for them. We pray for them and stuff. But now when the weather's warmer, they all come out here and they wait in line and we have little carts and grocery things and we pack them up with stuff and then we walk them out. And the whole time we walk out, we just talk to them, we get to know them. And then when we're unloading the car, we go, man, is there anything we can pray for you for? And oh my gosh, it's amazing. The needs that people have and appreciative they are. And what Jesus says, you know, you empty it out, you got your empty cart and you're coming back to the house for the next one, to the church for the next one. And Jesus is going, you just did that to me. You just did that to me. Hey, I want to say, so I just want to encourage you, man. If you've never done the food pantry, come and join us. Oh, and by the way, Southeast loads up clothes. The, The whole parking lot is filled up with clothes. And that's what he says, you clothed me. Yes, this is the heart of Jesus. So First John, if we are going to experience eternal life, then we need to know him. And that doesn't mean learning things about him. It means walking with him and in him, okay? So 1 John 3 says this, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives Our brothers and sisters, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Why does John ask that question? Why does he say, how can the love of God be in you? Because he knows from the Old Testament scriptures that that is the nature of God. He knows because he spent three years shoulder to shoulder with Jesus and Jesus is moved with compassion to meet people's needs. So he knows, he goes, so if we're not doing that, then how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. By the way, when it says, um, if you see a brother or sister in need, but have no pity on them, you know, it's interesting. You know, what that, you know what that word actually means in the Greek? It means you closed off your bowels. Like that, that's, the, that's the actual, and so what is he saying? Because what compassion is, is you're moved in your bowels. In, in other words, in your deepest part of your being, you're moved to care for people's needs. But when you see a need and you decide to do nothing about it, you have closed off your bowels. You got spiritually constipated, apparently. You literally have said, no, I'm not gonna be moved in my being. How can the love of God be in us? So how's your heart right now hearing all this? How's your heart? I I thought, is anybody reeling a little bit? I'm gonna be totally honest with you in my own personal walk with Jesus, this has been the hardest thing for me. So this is a good message for me. And this is one of those things I've really been working on in my own life. I have sat and listened to messages like this and I knew I don't get moved for people who are in need. Amy's here, we're gonna talk about, What is it, the widow and the foreigner and the orphan, the fatherless. And, and do we get moved about kids who don't have parents? Do we get moved for the people who are refugees that got sent to Salt Lake City? And I sat there and I'd hear messages and I'd go, why am I not moved? Why do I do nothing for the poor? And so I would be reeling inside. Um, can some of you feel your walls going up? Like, oh, no, no, no. I, don't wanna, I don't wanna do this, <laughs> right? Uh, this, is, this is messy. This is gonna be hard. Or is your heart, are, are, are you sitting there going, can we just be honest with ourselves and go, oh my gosh, Jesus, why am I not moved? Is there conviction that happens? And we're gonna get to that here in a second. But I, I thought about these questions and I thought, why is it that we close off our bowels? <laughs> In other words, why am I not deeply moved to meet the needs of another person? I'm gonna gonna be honest, try to be as honest as I can. Because it will infringe on my day. I've, I've already confessed to you guys about Saturday mornings. I didn't want to get up on Saturday mornings and go to the food pantry. That infringes on my Saturday morning. Now it's one of my favorite mornings. It's my favorite morning of the month. But initially, I'm just being honest with you. Or here's another reason. Why why do we not get moved? Because if we do, it could get messy. Right? Because when people have deep needs, it's not that you just come in and do a quick little deed and it's good. It's probably going to be messy, and I don't really want to get involved in someone else's mess. Or it might cost me something. I don't want to do this because it'll cost me something. By the way, guess what? It will cost you something. (laughs) It will. And then the reason we don't get moved is because we believe the cost is greater than the reward. And what's the cost? If you're gonna actually have compassion for another person who's in need, what'll be the cost? Time, okay, sometimes it's time. And you're gonna give up your time for another person. Sometimes it's money. Sometimes it's literally financially. We're going to give to those who are in need, which is all through the scripture. Sometimes it's emotional energy. The cost is the emotional energy and I just don't want to deal with it. And sometimes it's potentially that my own, it's just, you're going to infringe on my own agenda and my own pleasure. And I'm more devoted to me having a good day and me having what I need to do what I want to do. Can we just be honest? This is me, man. Well, here's the deal, you guys we can only give what we possess. You, you can only give what you possess. Okay, anybody want me, anybody want me to give you a hundred bucks today? I've got seven. <laughs> so I can't give you a hundred bucks today. I can give you seven because that's what I have. So what do you possess? All right, this is how we know what love is, John said. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. He laid down his life for us. So we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Why? Because you received compassion. You received mercy at the nth degree. And this is what we need to remember. This is why we gather together. This is why we, in a second, as, as uh, Mariah and Reagan come back up to lead us in worship, this is why we worship. We need to remember who he is and what he's done for us so that it moves us again, so that it humbles us again, so that it drives us again. Romans 12, one says this, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, and there's the word, In view of, other versions say, God's compassion. By the way, the definition of that verb is bowels in which compassion resides. It's a heart of compassion. In view of God's compassion for us, offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your reasonable act of service. I love that. It's reasonable. You guys, the only reasonable thing for Christians to do is when you realize, oh my gosh, God saw my need, my sin, my rebellion, my ways that were not his ways. And he came. He didn't ask me to do one cotton picking thing. And he came by grace and sent Jesus. And Jesus took upon himself all of God's wrath towards my sin and removed it and forgave it and reconciled me back to God. You and I have received so much mercy, right? That's why the other story with compassion that Jesus told, he said, when a guy came to, this, to his master and he owed billions of dollars and it says, and his master had compassion on him and canceled his debt, <laughs> And then the guy went out and saw somebody who owed him 10 bucks and said, give it to me. And he demanded it from him and he had no compassion. And, God, and, and Jesus tells a story, that dude it's like, you're out of here. You guys, we've received so much. He loves us so much. He's been so good to us. He is compassionate and he's moved in us. You do possess a hundred dollars. In fact, the scriptures say you possess every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. The spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is in you. So Jesus could say, the sovereign Lord, the sovereign Lord has placed his spirit upon me and anointed me to do this. And you know what? Through Jesus, the same things happened to us. So what are we gonna do about it? Brothers and sisters, let us not love with words, but with action and in truth. So here's what I want you to think about. Would you guys just, just, just think about this for a second? The first thing I want you to think about is sitting here tonight, what can you agree with from God's word? What can you agree with? What can you say? get it. And I agree with you, God, that you are compassionate and that you live in me and you want to show the world your compassion through me. What do you agree with? Scriptures tell us that God's word is like a double-edged sword that penetrates into the deepest part of our being. And when it does, it divides, it says. And that division, you guys, is God goes, this is you and this is me. This is you, this is me. What will you agree with? Because we're gonna act, A-C-T. What are you gonna agree with? And say, Jesus, I hear you. And I believe this is true about you and about me. And here's the C. The C is, and what are you going to change? What are you going to change? Second, Second Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture, everything we've read, is God-breathed. It comes from the very life of God. And it's useful to teach us, to rebuke us, to correct us, or to train us here's what's interesting. All four of those things mean it changes us. <laughs> See, if it teaches you something, you're like, oh, I know something now I didn't know before. <laughs> if it rebukes us, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to stop doing what I was doing and I'm going to change. If it corrects us, obviously, that's changing us. And if it's training us, it's changing us. It's helping us to do what he actually called us to do. So did you guys know what repentance, right? Repent and turn to God. Do you know what the word repentance means? Literally, change your mind. (laughs) Change your mind, renew it. So I just wanna ask you, A is what you do agree with. C, what are you gonna change? Based on what what God's word said to us today about who he is and if we're gonna have eternal life, what are you going to change? Think about that just for a second. You know what I love? Just, it just hit me in Acts when it says, repent then, change, and turn to God so that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Isn't that cool? So again, we're sitting, I I don't know how you're sitting here. You're going, oh my gosh, God's asking me to care for the poor. And God's like, this is the most life-giving thing you could do. This is going to set you free from yourself. This is going to refresh you. This is going to put you in union with my spirit. And when that happens, you live. You guys, this is great news. This will give you life and bless everybody around you and give him glory. So agree with it. Decide what you're going to change. And what's the T? What's the T? Take a step, take a step. Well, can we just do, I'm gonna do some listening prayer just for a second right now. And by the way, real quick, Amy actually, Amy, raise your hand. So Amy has already, you know, she's, she's promoted this stuff before, but she oversees you know the, uh, an or for the Orphan Network. And she's been one of our founding members of K2. And we've promoted this here, right? That we have fostered love which is a group of people who gather around those who are taking in kids to foster and to adopt. And we love on them and we care for them and we help them. And then we have care portal, care portal, which means again, when, we, when the DCFS shows us that there are needs within communities with people who are trying to re- get together back with their families, then they let us know what those needs are. You just receive an email and you can meet those needs. That's Compassion. Amy will be outside or right outside um, in the lobby if you wanna just connect with her and say, you know what, this is, maybe that's the way I'm supposed to do it. Join the food pantry. Maybe that's what you're supposed to do. We're gonna give something away in a couple of weeks. We had such a great time feeding the homeless on Easter morning. It was fantastic that our outreach team is like, we gotta do that again. That'll be another way you could show compassion, okay? But here's what I wanna do. I just wanna take like 15 seconds. And I'm just gonna, would you just, if you want, close your eyes if you want, just be quiet and ask Jesus. Jesus, you are here, you are in our presence, and you are compassionate. Jesus, what step of compassion do you want me to take? What need do you want me to meet? Or better said, what need do you want to meet through me? Reagan and Mariah, you guys can, Caleb, come on up. Father, I just want to pray blessing right now. I want to pray blessing right now. I want to ask you, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Speak to every one of us in this room. Father, do not let us who have been born of your spirit walk out these doors, not changed. We hear your word. We agree, God, you are gracious and compassionate. Jesus, we agree with you about the sheep and the goats. We hear your teaching. We see your life and we agree with you that you are compassionate and that you have now filled us with your spirit so that your love can be in our hearts. And God, we want to change. I just want to pray your blessing, God, on every one of us in this room. Empower us now by your grace to change. And then, Lord, I want to pray again, I, I just, that you would speak very clearly, give each one of us a step of faith that we can take, that we will not love with words. We will love with action. We will agree, we will change, and we will take a step so we can find you, that we may know you, that we will be in your life of compassion and find our freedom and our own healing and bless everyone around us and show this world that the church is not about attending something for an hour. It's about bringing the kingdom to earth and giving you glory. God, give us grace to do it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So let's stand. And uh, because again, one of the main things, you guys, that I think moves us and motivates us to follow him is when we go in view of your mercy, in view of who you are, in view of your great love for us, So that's why we worship, because it reminds us who he is. And uh, Reagan here is going to read for us Psalm 146. It's perfect. A Psalm right from the scriptures to say, here's how you should praise God for who he is and praise him for what he does. So listen to this and then let's sing together.